When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I went out and I started doing some work. So I made $800 in August, a whole $800. Uh, and then you got to give half of that away. You got to split it with the person that signed on the reports for you. And then uh, the next month of September, I think I did about 1200 So I didn't double my money, but I made a little bit more. In October, I really got some momentum. I think I did about $1,600 in um, October. Jumped up, did about 2,200, $2,600 in November. But in December, because of the momentum, taking action, being consistent and persistent, uh, and in honoring the prayer, uh, my, I got one check the first part of December, which was about 1700 And then the second check in December was a little over $6,400. Whoa. Right. That's and different. Again, and again, that's half. Okay. So that was where I knew I could really re- I could do well in appraising. And I never went below about $7,000 a month the rest of the time, January, February, months on into 2020, in the year 2000, until I started my own firm. And in the first month we opened the doors on my firm, we did a little over $24,000 in appraising. In the back of your mind, your dreams should be real, right? It- Thanks all for tuning in to Dreamcatchers, where we make things happen. Dreamcatchers was formally launched to unlock the hidden potential in successful, self-motivated individuals who desire to take their life's work to the next level but need support to evolve. We are a collective group of professionals with various backgrounds that use our talents to assist those individuals in realizing their wildest dreams by providing education, inspiration, and direction. This podcast is where we share the lessons we've learned along the way to catching our dreams and give you some context around the how and the why to each approach to put you further ahead on the journey to catching your dream. Are you ready? Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dreamcatchers podcast. I'm your host, Jerome, and I've got MJ with me today, Mark Jackson. How are you, man? I'm actually outstanding. Have a great investor comp today. That's so we got some deals under contract today already. So it is a great investor comp today, without a doubt. Wow. So MJ, do me a favor and tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into investor comps. Well, um, it'd be my pleasure. Well, thanks for having me on. It's uh, I look forward to engaging with everybody here that's on the Dream Catchers podcast. Uh, listen, man. I, first and foremost, I man, I love the Lord. Um, got a great wife, uh, five kids, couple of grandkids and a grandkid on the way. Uh, love doing real estate. Real estate has just been a joy and a pleasure in my life. And I'll kind of talk about how I got to that. Other thing I really think is that folks need to realize, listen, every single day we wake up, um, we need to be grateful. Uh, if, if, if you're clothed in your right mind and you can step out of the bed, that's a win. That's, that's something to really, really be grateful for each and every single day. We, we also want to know, look, realize anything is possible that you put your mind, your heart, your soul into, especially when you focus on it. And then we want to be in a posture where we're always strengthening 
our mind and our body, putting in the right food and getting some good exercise, and then go execute. Whereas you engage with Jerome and you're, you're listening to the other guests he has in our podcast, everything you're probably going to see is somebody's taking action on the things they're learning and discovering. Because without action, you can have all the knowledge in the world. But if you're not acting on it, forget about it. And those are the things I believe that really help us be successful. Uh, I live in Salt Lake City, Utah. Right now, I've been here for about eight months. Um, my wife had an opportunity, so I moved here with her. But I do real estate in all the major markets across the country. We help students from Alaska all the way down to Miami-Dade County, Florida, and from the West Coast to the East Coast. Uh, investor comps essentially is my background as a real estate appraiser. I was buying my first home, sitting at the closing table, and essentially, I was looking at this 20-page legal document and was discovering the, the, what turned out to be the square footage adjustments. I just finished my degree in accounting. So the numbers really kind of spoke out to me. And then, you know, Jerome, on the appraisal, you got the pictures of the house, the one you're buying, and then the comparables. And what happened is they weren't taped to the paper, they were on the paper. So that told me they were done with a digital camera and they had just come out. Well, I guess I'm dating myself a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> they had just come out and I didn't need a reason to buy a digital camera. I needed an excuse and I was looking at it, okay? And then the last thing was, I told you like a 20 page document. So um, the, probably about the information about the house I was buying and all the other houses were moved all throughout the report. So it told me it was good database software and my minor just happened to be an information, information system. So I turned to my wife, I said, I don't know what this is, but I could do this. And it turned out to be the appraisal. So I, I tell folks, I took immediate action and waited three years <laughs> and then went to appraisal school, took a buyout from my corporate job and then have never looked back. And that's been 20 years now. I celebrated 20 years of uh, being in the valuation space, being in the real estate space uh, last May of 2019. So it's been a, a blessing in ways that I cannot begin to describe. I've had the opportunity to speak on real estate valuation specifically on about four continents, uh, written papers and papers and papers for different articles for folks and, and investor comps has touched lives for the last 13 years. Uh, after having an appraisal firm and selling the appraisal firm, we started investor comps and we're just going strong, touching people, helping them understand valuation and how to use it regardless of the type of transactions that they're doing. So. That's a little bit about me. I, I love this space. It gives me great energy. And uh, the more that I can help other people, even have the opportunity to meet you, Jerome, just recently and, and what we're going to be doing together. Heck, we're sending one of our team members up to come learn from you as well so we can continue to enhance the space in which we do and apply evaluation first approach. So, man, thanks again for having me. It's, it's really going to be a joy to care and share with everybody today. Yeah, man, this is amazing. And so, you know, when I first saw you, you had your Iron Man t-shirt on, I was like, who is this guy, right? And then as I saw you talk more and listen, and then I saw you do your presentation, I was like, oh boy, this guy's a big deal, right? And you're humble, you won't accept that, and that's fine. But it's just like, no, he's really a big deal, guys. And so, Talk to me, if you would, if you're not too bashful, talk to me about how you've grown investor comps oh, from, yeah. you know, nothing, right, to a company that's, I, I believe, giving you financial freedom. 
Oh, tremendous freedom. I mean, we've been really, very fortunate to basically grow a business that serves, again, clients in all the major market areas. We provide real estate valuation data and training so that you can take a valuation first approach. And I know we'll talk about that a little bit more, but essentially investor comps was, was great out of demand. Uh, when I was an appraiser, uh, I did a lot of appraising. You go knock on doors back then to talk to loan officers and they would actually give you appraisal work to do. Well, when you're successful with them, at which I was as a solo entrepreneur, they started introducing me to investors that also needed appraisal reports. So I started working with them and what immediately the skill set I added to the investors was guiding them and saying, listen, here's the deal that you want to do, but let me tell you why you shouldn't do this deal. And it might have to do with the functional obsolescence on that property. Maybe, you know, because of the different additions that don't, that were done to the property, the amount of renovation that would be done, the investor base will be giving back their property profit or maybe shortening their margins. In uh, other times, it had to do with the location of property. And location has any number of different dynamics. What most frequently would happen because these investors were working with existing inventory, they weren't always aware of the other new permits for new construction that was going on around them that would actually make those units more uh, readily identifiable, especially in some of these markets that are, that are gentrifying and the new homes are being built, are being done with the craftsman style design of the older home. So which one are you gonna want? The new craftsman style design or the old one where you got issues or could you possibly have issues? So overwhelmingly, if they weren't aware of those permits like I as the appraiser were, they would have gone ahead and done that deal and then maybe not been able to remarket or have the cut, again, cut their margins. So those are the type of things that investors, I would do for investors. And eventually they were like, MJ, how can we look at data the same way you do? And that just kind of kind of snowballed. And eventually I was like, look, I, I got too many people asking me too many questions. Let me create something where the masses can engage. And that's where investor comps came from. I was able to develop a real good relationship with, with a data partner, then got somebody to help build the website. Again, this was a while back. You didn't just go to, we, we, I don't know, one of those sites you can go, you can just put up a site tomorrow afternoon, that type of thing. Wix, Wix, baby, Wix. <laughs> there you go. Woo! No, nah, it wasn't like that back in 2003 or 2004. <laughs> so we got the site built and essentially provide a means and way, especially where investors had to rely on real estate agents to, run comps for them, or if you could possibly get, let them give you their MLS access data. Not that that happened very often. If you had a good relationship, you could. But even then, it wasn't the data. It was the listing data. It wasn't the arm's length transactions. You couldn't see who the buyers and sellers were. You couldn't see if a transactions, all the other transactions that were foreclosures, short sales, probate sales, those things that are, are the actual motivated sales, that let you know what you should be paying for a property, not just what you could remarket it for. So that's been the real beauty of investor comps as we created it to give investors power to do really, really good transactions, keeping profit on the table, in some cases, just securing their margins so they didn't get hit you know, upside the head or caught from behind on something that they couldn't see without having a tool like investor comps. And so investor comps allows you to pull data 
do evaluation for properties all over the country, right? All the major market areas. Uh, we realize there's going to be some non-disclosure states, stuff like that. But even then, uh, when you pull in those non-disclosure states, like a Texas or a St. Louis, Indiana, you can still see the dates the transactions took place, but you can also see what the original principal balance was on the mortgage. Who was the lender? So you can tell if it was a conventional mortgage, FHA, VA, things of that nature. So when you can tell those different dynamics, you know if they put down 3%, 10%, 20%. So you can really see and extrapolate. I love that word. You can extrapolate what the value was even in a non-disclosure state. But all the major market areas of the country are what we serve as far as data partners, my data partners concerned. And we even do Guam, uh, San Francisco, Hawaii, pardon me, San Juan, Puerto Rico, Hawaii. Again, I already mentioned Alaska. So we're, we're covering essentially the major needs of all the investors across the country. That's amazing. So what gave you the courage to go do this, right? You, you said you took the severance or you left corporate. Like, how do you make that transition where, hey, I'm going to build something that mm-hmm. impacts, I don't know, 100,000 users across the U.S. How, how do you get wow. the fortitude and the courage to go build something like that? No, I'm telling you, it is a walk of faith. Um, even when I first, again, if it hadn't been at the closing table where I could just have that divine intervention moment, I would have never even thought about appraising over the next three years, which is essentially what I did. It was always in the back of my mind. How about that appraisal thing? What about that appraising? And I, I didn't do any research, or I had no idea. It wasn't until Christmas of 98 that I actually sat down and said, I'm leaving corporate. I'm going to become an appraiser now. What does that mean? So <laughs> uh, you had to find out about going to school. Uh, you had to do an apprenticeship. You had to do so many reports to actually get registered and certified. But it was a walk of faith. That's literally what it was. I, I, I believed and I had my daily prayer. I was like, Lord, I need two appraisals a day. I will knock on doors. I'll pick up the phone. I'll call whoever I got to call. I'll do whatever it is that normally I'd be afraid of doing, but I need two appraisals a day, okay? And so that was just, you know, it was, it was a, I don't say it was a compromise. It was definitely a walk of faith, but I lived into it. There were times where I didn't want to pick up the phone, but I remembered the prayer, and I wanted to make sure I honored the prayer and the relationship, the commitment I made to our greater power. And that's basically how I went forward, without a doubt. And uh, just being faithful to it, the work came and it came in abundance. And I've never, ever looked back. I mean, I got a little story. Um, Hey guys, back in 2016, me and the team decided to formalize Dreamcatchers as an organization that can help people achieve their wildest dreams. If this is you, Please visit our website at dreamshouldbereal.com in order to find out the details of our services and how we can help you become a dream catcher. Talk to you soon. When I first became an appraiser, uh, I left corporate in May and I immediately didn't do anything. I was so tired from the work I did that my kids came up for the summer. I had divorced, so I was kind of kids were spending the summer with me. I vacation. I took time. I watched movies at night, ate cookies and ice cream, gained 15 pounds. <laughs> but in August, after the kids were back at school and summer's over, I went out and I started doing some work. So I made $800 in August, a whole $800. Uh, and then you got to give half of that away. You got to split it with the person that signed on the reports for you. 
And then uh, the next month of September, I think I did about 1200 So I didn't double my money, but I made a little bit more. In October, I really got some momentum. I think I did about $1,600 in um, October. Jumped up, did about $2,200, $2,600 in November. But in December, because of the momentum, taking action, being consistent and persistent, uh, and in honoring the prayer, uh, my, I got one check the first part of December, which was about 1700 And then the second check in December was a little over $6,400. Whoa. Right. That's and different. Again, and again, that's half. Okay. So that was where I knew I could really re I could do well in appraising. And I never went below about $7,000 a month the rest of the time, January, February, months on into 2020, into two, in the year 2000, until I started my own firm. And in the first month we opened the doors on my firm, we did a little over $24,000 in appraisals. I had six registered appraisers working with me and an office manager. And then in 2020, in 2001, in the 2020, in 2001, that first year, we did over 2,000 appraisals that year. So this was something that really, divine intervention, I lived into it the way that, um, I guess, God just had for me. And we continue to do so. We're committed now to continue to serve clients. We put on training events throughout the year. We host the mastermind. And then we're always doing uh, podcasts uh, through appraiser secrets uh, just to share more information so that people can really be successful know that they're making a profit when they buy when they go into that deal that's the that's the most significant thing the folks i work with now we help three students get deals um help two students get deals over the weekend one got a single family in macon georgia and the other one lives up in gary indiana and he got a duplex and a single family so again we're able to serve clients in many many markets across the country As a matter of fact it's so unique jerome the client that that's investor college member that got the deal in Macon, Georgia, they live in Sarasota, Florida. <laughs> actually able to analyze the deal. We teach you how to work with wholesalers, find deals, get them under contract, and you can do it remotely. You don't have to be in the market area in which you're doing business. So we have a lot of fun. Investor comps gives you tremendous power to know the value of the deal when you're going in so you can actually make really, really good decisions. So that, that that's kind of some of the backstories. There's so much more I could share. There's so much there. Yeah, this has been a blessing. It really, really has. I've had a lot of fun delivering and helping folks do really unique dynamic things, taking a valuation first approach to real estate. So what's the thing that you, you wish you would have known when you got started? Because, I mean, when you say $24,000 in a month, I suspect that your corporate salary wasn't that. So, I mean, it just, it's life-changing, right? So talk to me about, you know, just the success and what you wish you would have known sooner that probably would have propelled you faster because you exited. Like, we're skipping so much of the story and I know we don't have a ton of time, right? But you built that business, you exited, and then you went and started a tech company. And, you know, you may not call it a tech company. You may call it a relation. You may call it a bunch of other stuff. I mean, I know you have so many different perspectives. So talk to me, man. Break it down for me. Well, you know, the thing I, I wish that um, I really knew early on in terms of real estate, it, it, was, it was significant that um, I didn't have to rely on anybody to tell me the value of a property. 
I could always do that for myself. Um, what I really took time and needed to learn was actually how to do a deal. Um, I wish I'd had, even while I was going through my appraising business, that I discovered how to actually find deals and bet them or you know, get them under contract. I didn't know any of that. I can remember the first three deals I bought, they were townhomes in one community. And so I went to one of my best loan officers to get, to get financing because I want to get leverage. I was going to keep them as long-term holds as rental property. And I had these three deals. I went to LO and he gave me three different lenders, three different interest rates, three different closing costs, three different sets of terms. I felt like I had really been taking advantage. Well, not really taking, not hard taking advantage of, just not being fully informed. So I, I had wished in some ways that I had gotten a better understanding of how the actual real estate game works up and beyond just knowing the value of the properties. Cause I didn't have, I didn't have to depend on anybody for that. That part, I, I knew they were good deals based on the numbers. I just didn't know how to really get them under contract and how to put the leverage in place. So that was significant uh, in terms of something I, I wish I had known that I didn't know. And, and I guess the only other thing is I have seen other, when I look back, other phases of my life, even since uh, we, I, I, I had that moment at the closing table, um, those divine intervention moments, and I haven't always acted on them. So I would encourage everybody, as you're listening to this, when, you, when you're engaged in something, it seems like it's way out there in left field. And I'm not talking about bright, shiny objects. I'm talking about when you can actually see yourself doing something that you're not intimately familiar with at this moment, that may or could possibly be your divine intervention moment. And I encourage you to live into it. That would be something overwhelming, I would say. I wish I had known then what I know now. Nice, 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 nice. So, all right, you sell the firm. You got a big payday, right? <laughs> what am I going to do now? Do you go eat cookies and ice cream again another 15 pounds and uh, take a break? Or talk uh, to me. How do you make the transition to literally a virtual business that can scale? Like I say, when we, sold, when we sold the appraisal firm, there was already a number of investors that were saying, you know, look, we need this tool. We need something to help us. And that's where investor comps came from. But overwhelmingly, the other thing we did was while we're helping other people, and that's exactly what each and every one of you should be doing, just the way Jerome does. While you're out there helping other people, always be looking to build your own wealth portfolio. Yes, we want to do transactional real estate. I always teach and think of this idea that you want to buy two, sell one. Buy two, sell one. Build that long-term wealth portfolio. That thing is going to pay you not just now, but next year, two years from now, three years from now, five years from now. Let There's a great book, um, Richest Man in Babylon. Yeah. Richest Man in Babylon. Great book. I love that book for the principles that it teaches. This idea that we want to be in a posture that you're letting those soldiers that you're earning then be put to work to go out and earn for you. And that's what real estate will do for you. There's a number of ways that Jerome, you and I have discovered and learned how to bring in OPM and bring in private lending and then wrap other transactions around deals that eventually those assets wind up becoming free and clear and part of our wealth portfolio 
wealth holding portfolio because someone else paid off the mortgage. Okay. Right. And as much as we can do that, it doesn't always have, look, you're going to have deals that you structure that are going to you know, pay off in 10 years. But if you don't start now, okay, where are you going to be in 10 years from now? The time's going to go by no matter what, you might as well take advantage of it. So overwhelmingly, as you're looking to build your real estate investing business, whether it's single family, duplexes, small, multifamily, put the structures in place so that that hard asset winds up being part of your long-term hold portfolio. So it will pay you five figures, you know, four figures, whatever it is that you need every single month without having to go out and work for those dollars anymore. That's going to be the sweet spot, not only for your own family as, as you season into life, but even as you hold on to those assets, not sell them, but transfer them on to the legacy and the people that are coming behind you. That's really what's going to make your, uh, your position in life extend beyond your physical life. Because the more that you can do that, the more that you'll, I mean, touch your great aunts or nephews or those generations that are going to come behind us. Um, I mean, I love the idea that, you know, my great, 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 great grandchild will get a letter that says, great, great, great grandpa was thinking about you back in 2021, 2020, whatever the case may be. And here's a means and way for you based on the work that we did back then. And that's been sustained. You have the opportunity to further your education, to buy a home, to have something there in case your health isn't what you need to be. That, that's really what we need to be thinking about even as we engage to earn income, active income from being real estate investors. That, that, those are the thoughts that I like to continue to instill into people as I've come through my experience in real estate. Man, I, I know we're short on time, but I am super curious. The first question <laughs> I have is, did your ancestors think about you that way or where did this come from? I know they prayed for me. I know they prayed for me because otherwise I wouldn't have these thoughts now, without a doubt, without a doubt. So did you come into contact with people that changed your way of thinking or? Oh, yeah. I mean, network and association has meant everything for us. Literally, I, I can say this because I'm living it. My network is my net worth. If I had absolutely nothing today, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't, wait, I wouldn't even worry about it because my network is so strong. I know who I could pick up and call for an asset, for whatever the case might be, to move forward. Um, and, and in a number of different places, I've been blessed to have relationships as far away as Italy and Scotland and all the way to Australia. I was just in Australia back in December of 2019 for two weeks for a speaking engagement, building and expanding on relationships there. So overwhelmingly, uh, I'll take my network over, you know, money in the bank all day long. How did you get to a place where you were able to build a network that that is, is that strong? Because I think oftentimes we just get stuck. We'll save that, we'll save that one for another podcast. <laughs> i get you to come back, okay? And we'll have just that conversation about those individuals I came with that helped me with my own legacy planning thoughts and ideas. But as a matter of fact, if I may, um, definitely want to let, definitely, I want your folks to reach out to me. We do, um, you can you know, find us at Investor Comps. Uh, hit me up on a support desk. I'll be glad to reach out and engage with you. Again, we provide real estate valuation, training and data, so folks can actually get in there and start looking at their deals, whether it's the ones you have on the books now, the ones that you're looking at, or if you need to analyze your own portfolio so you know where you stand, we're there to support you and help you in that endeavor. 
In addition to that, um, just like you have an event coming up in March that our team members going to, uh, we're excited to welcome folks to come to the Investor Comps Investor Summit. We're going to be in Palm Desert, California, April 30th through May 2nd of this year. Uh, you can sign up for that and we'll actually give you a $100 discount. That's a $597 ticket. We give you a $100 discount uh, at $497 if you sign up uh, between now. Let's see. This is, um, we're doing this podcast. This is February 24th. We'll do that through March the 1st. So uh, go to investorcomps.com forward slash investor summit, investor, www.investorcomps.com forward slash investor summit. Come join us in Palm Desert. We're going to be working on wholesaling, foreclosures, pre foreclosures, uh, short sales, probate sales. We're going to teach you how to get leads on these types of deals, valuate them for maximum profit, close on them and put some money in your pocket. We also will have uh, one of our very, very special guests, uh, Joanne Musa, the tax lien lady. We acquired some tax lien and tax deeds with her assistance last year. Matter of fact, we just uh, foreclosed on a tax deed that we bought for $6,200. And we've got a, a whole house for $6,200. We're probably gonna do a little rehab in it. We'll be all in that property for $20,000. It rents for $850 a month. That's what you, I mean, I can't even calculate the cat rate on that one. Bang. <laughs> so listen, she's got a great guest. I, she and I have been working together for the last five years. And I love having our people with investment and comps exposed to Joanne Muse, a wonderful lady, great teaching. And what she shares works, especially when you take a valuation first approach to like we do at Investor Comps. So that's investorcomps.com forward slash Investor Summit. And uh, folks can reach out. You can email me, uh, mark.jackson at investorcomps.com. Mark.jackson at investorcomps.com. Jerome, thank you for the opportunity to care and share, man. I really, really, really appreciate it. Yeah, man, this was awesome. I'll link everything up in the show notes so folks can check it out. And we'll push this one up in the production queue to make sure they get enough time to come in and get it signed up for the event before the discount runs out, man. Thanks again, everybody. And hey, if you made it to this point in the podcast, you love what MJ had to share. So do us a favor, share it, give us a rating and review, and make sure you like it so that people can find it. Thanks. Talk to you guys soon. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.